Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air, everywhere. We're back at it on a Friday, a mid-October, the middle of October. Here we are back in the magic podcast machine, the salt mine of podcasting, and it is our Friday show. We do this because four hours a night have been deemed not enough, according to the management of the company that I work for, uh, Fox Sports Radio. And so we, we say, you know what? Let's do this eight days a week. We do the radio show five days. Let's do the podcast. We can curse. We can scream. We can shout on this podcast. And so a spinoff of the overnight show. We thank you for finding the podcast. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. We need to grow the podcast audience. And as I like to say, if, if everyone listening, if you listening right now, tell a co-worker or a relative and they listen we have instantly doubled our market share in the podcast world but enough of that this weekend very excited here on a friday to catch up with a friend of mine by request now i've known this guy for many years but i i didn't work with him and we've had several listeners who have said hey you've got to you got to get this guy on. I want to hear what he's up to. And we're talking about Jerome Jovanovich, CNN headline sports. That's that's the legend, Jerome Jovanovich, who has worked for the Atlanta Braves and the uh, it, it, the uh, Atlanta Hawks as well over the last fifteen years. He just retired. He doesn't seem like he should retire. He's a young 
young guy uh, in my eyes, uh, but he is retired now and he worked in Denver and he's been all over the place, but you hear him talk. He is Western Pennsylvania through and through, and he worked at Fox Sports Radio briefly, and so we are excited to go in the Wayback Machine, a beloved broadcaster and a person that went out a few times, had some drinks with, good times, good memories back in the day, and Jerome, why don't we start? You were at Fox Sports Radio, part of the Alumni Association. Are your dues paid up? You know, I have not paid up the dues, but don't tell anybody. I think I just left the cat out of the bag. But maybe our good friend Art Martinez will cover for me the next time the dues are due. Yeah, yeah. Well, Artie is an active member of the Alumni Association. Now, I, I see Artie once a year now. For those that, you know, behind the scenes, a little inside radio, Jerome, the great Art Martinez, a rock on the the board, one of the great engineers. And really, I've, I've had a lot of board ops and engineers over these, but Art Martinez, an all-time great. And you better not mess with the Raiders or Artie's going to bring it down there. A legend, an icon. But I invite Art to my – I do a Christmas party, like a holiday sweater party thing every year, and Artie shows up. I didn't do it last year because of that whole COVID thing, but Artie shows up, and he's always the first person there – and Jerome, he's the last person to leave. Every year I've had this, Art Martinez stays until the very end. i got to kick him out of my house. There is uh, no shock or surprise by coming first and staying till the end. Let's just hope that uh, he doesn't go trick-or-treating as John Gruden. I know he's a big racist, <laughs> but I think he's going to have to put that behind him. Yes, hopefully he didn't send any emails to John Gruden that might come back and, <laughs> and, and get him here. Now, you weren't at Fox Sports Radio all that long, but you know, you're, you're an East Coast guy living in Los Angeles, Jerome, at the time. Now, that's, a, that's an eye-opening experience. I know you've traveled around. You're a worldly man. You're a globe trekker and all that from your – years in the media, but living in the belly of the beast in L.A., uh, good, bad, ugly. I still miss it to this day. I moved out of there in 2004, and my wife is tired of hearing this. I still talk about moving back to California. I The first three months were a difficult transition for me. It took about three weeks just to get settled into that three-hour time difference. I kept waking up at 4 a.m. It was driving me crazy. Uh, but once I learned my way around and just got a little foothold into Los Angeles, I absolutely loved it, especially on college football Saturdays, 9 a.m. kickoff. And you're not you're going to bed five games later before you go to it was I just love Los I love the weather. I love the energy. Hated the traffic, but Atlanta has the second worst traffic in America behind LA. So I was used to being in terrible traffic. I, I loved everything about it. Now that was a long, long time ago since I left. A long time ago. So I'm sure things have changed dramatically. I know the the fires are just horrible out there, but I just I loved LA. I, I just loved every minute of it. I had lived Previously in New York City, and I'm old enough to grow up on Johnny Carson when he would have celebrity guests. And if they were New Yorkers, they would complain about L.A. If they were West Coast people, they would complain about New York, the whole L.A.-New York rivalry. Never understood what they were talking about because I was a kid. Having lived in both, I am sold on Los Angeles in a heartbeat. Okay, a chamber of commerce. Now, uh, you're right. L.A. has changed a lot, Jerome. They've, uh, the city has uh, gone down. Now, one thing that has not changed, though, and I actually have some good news for you. And I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but the same exact equipment 
that you used back in the day at Fox Sports Radio at the Premier Networks has not either been fixed or upgraded. It is like a time capsule saved per posterity's sake. And I've been working from home a lot, Jerome, but I actually went in this week. I was at the, the Dodger games uh, the other night, and so I went in there, and it is – Unreal. Nothing has been touched. You, this, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, by the way. The same exact setup. So y- you could, if you decide to unretire, Jerome, and come back to Fox Sports Radio and you know, take the family out to Cali, pack up the dogs and the station wagon, the wife, the whole thing, you would then be able to uh, be very comfortable in our old old building because it's still exactly the same. You'll be happy to so, so the coffee stain on the rug left there by John Ireland in 2003 remains, is what you're telling me. Yes, uh, that is 100. There's a Tony Bruno, I think, one time he uh, he he put some bubble gum down on the floor there, and that's still still there under the table. Uh, Pat O'Brien, who hasn't worked there in years, P.O.B., he actually taped, for some reason, Pat taped a dollar bill to the table in there, and that remnants of that dollar bill are still taped to the to the main studio table, so it is. There's a lot of history in that building, Jerome. Like legends like yourself work there, and they don't they don't want to change anything. They want, we mentioned Artie, uh, Eric Peterson, our great producer friend. He also uh, worked. I mean, so there's legends in that building, Jerome. Legends, legends. Yeah. yeah. Some of us not so much, but uh, you know, <laughs> Pat O'Brien, Tony Bruno, and the guys. Absolutely, my buddy Chris Rose, no question. So I, I was talking to another member of the Fox Sports Radio Alumni Association who I occasionally talk to, Tom Looney. And I said, hey, Tom, what's, uh, it's Jerome Durenovich. You know, he's, uh, yeah, I'm going to have Jerome on. And he's got any Jerome stories. He said, now, I thought he was pulling my chain here. He says, you got you to gotta ask him about the flowers, is what Looney said. So do you know, I mean, are you, there was a, a, a flower, this is according to Looney. Now, I, he said he was not pulling my chain here, Jerome. He said there's a legendary Jerome Durinovich flower story from your days at Fox Sports Radio. Is this true or is Looney? I, I, yeah. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know a flower story. Now I'm old, Ben. Okay. I'm old. Yeah. So I, I don't a flower story. I don't know a flower story. Yeah, well he he had claimed there was an incident, uh somebody was ordering flowers and you were asking questions about it and then uh you don't you don't recall it. So so that might have been a Looney that might have been a loony story that just got on the podcast that was an incorrect story. Either that or he remembers it and you don't remember. It was such and it was an unmemorable experience for you. Well, it, you know what? If Looney says it happened, I, I'm going with Looney's side of the story. So even if it makes me look horrific, I'm going with Looney. But he's I love Looney. But he's Looney. He's I mean the guy the name his name says it. I mean, how can you he's the funny thing about Looney now is he's he's like a hard news guy. He does news now at KABC, one of the news talk stations in LA. And it's great. And I, I hear him sometimes and it's it's tremendous because you know, you think like you're the news guy, you gotta be all serious and all that to him. But he's his name's Looney. Now how can you be yeah. when your name's Looney, you can't be the serious news guy, right? It's crazy. He- he is Looney. Him and JT the Brick, legends, legendary. Yeah, absolutely. Ireland. Part of that, uh, part of that time. So now, when you left Fox, didn't you go to Denver before you went to Atlanta? Am I right on that, or am I ma- imagining that in my head? No, you are correct. I uh, left Fox Sports Radio in Los Angeles and went to Denver to launch the Altitude Sports Network. Stan Kroenke decided 
he is uh, legendary, as you people in L.A. know, is the owner of not just the Rams, but of about 19,000 different sports teams, including the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche. And he owned the Pepsi Center at the time and decided that he wanted to um, own the rights to the broadcast of his two teams there. So he started his own cable regional network. And um, uh, I was hired over there to be the main host as they launched that. And let me tell you, Ben, Boy, I, I, first of all, love Stan. I'd worked for Stan Marr. He was great. After Nuggets games, the bar inside the then Pepsi Center, I don't know what it's called now, um, called the Blue Sky Grill, he'd come down, and me and three or four guys, we'd be sitting at the bar having drinks after the game and just talking to him like a casual fan. What a great owner. You would never realize he's one of the wealthiest men in the world. He was just he was just a great guy. Great still is, I'm sure. He was great to work for. Um, now the people that ran altitude, I could tell you stories. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> when they flew me up there for the interview, we were in the same building as the Hallmark channel. So they walked me through the Hallmark channel and kind of a wink and a nod were leading me to believe that that was their production setup when it wasn't. So when we launched altitude, thankfully that was the year that the NHL had a lockout because we would not have been prepared to be able to broadcast Nuggets and Avalanche games at the same time. We were so understaffed and under-equipped. Uh, I, I was hosting the Nuggets pre-game, post-game, and halftime without an analyst and without a desk and with no highlights. Uh, I would stand out there and just talk for 30 minutes all by myself. And we had literally had one video tape deck. So in television, to edit, you have to have one deck to play the tape and then edit on the other one. We only had one, only to record. So they would send us the highlights from the Nuggets game from the truck, and we would use that in the postgame show, but we wouldn't have any highlights from any other games. And I'm just out there talking for 30 minutes. So thank God I came from those four years in radio because it was just unbelievable. We had uh, we had a couple of people there that were um, in management positions that had no business even working in television, let alone management. It was a complete nightmare. But it was fun. Made uh, some good fa- friendships over those two years. The teams were great to deal with, first class. Uh, the Avalanche and the Nuggets were both first class to deal with. The players were great. The organizations were great. Kiki Vandeweghe was running the Nuggets at the time. Pierre Lacroix was running the Avs. They were they were fantastic to deal with. They were both good teams. It was uh, Carmelo's second and third season, so they were playoff teams those two years. And the Avs were, still had Rob Blake and Joe Sackick. They still had a, uh, a good handful of guys from the uh, Stanley Cup run. So they were exciting teams. But um, it was just a uh, not a good position to be in if you wanted to work in sports TV at the time. And then so after two years, my first contract was up. I got out of Dodge as fast as you could and, and took the job I just retired from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So if you had known at the time that it's like looking at a hotel you want to stay at online, they show you all the nice rooms and then your yeah. your rooms are in the back on the on the other side of the tracks. That's uh, that's essentially. So I want to give me a Stan Kroenke story. So I've seen Stan at these Ram games a, a few times. I've been to SoFi Stadium. I, was, I saw him at the Coliseum actually more. I, they, everyone was kind of segregated at this SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. The uh, the media is kind of separated from the rich people and all that stuff. But but Stan isn't he the? I, I think I read he's the largest landowner outside of the United States government. That he owns more land than anyone else in the united states uh which is amazing to me that you, you know, like te- parts of texas new mexico all over the place he's uh 
He's got, you know, that would not surprise me because I know, and, and I understand that uh, although Ted Turner's health is not what it used to be, but he is also one of these massive landowners. They bought up massive amounts of land in Montana and New Mexico and out West, Yeah, you know, most of it's uninhabited, but, uh, you know, it's look, as my uh, late uncle used to say, God ain't building any more land. Somebody's <laughs> going to want to get on that land eventually. And, you know, I mean, I mean what else are you going to do when you got that many? I mean, we're talking billions. When you got that kind of money, I mean, you, you know, what are you going to do? So, I mean, uh, yeah. You know, it's, well, but, it, you know, Stan, well, to give you my one yeah. Stan story that I really like the most. Okay. So I get there. Um, Andre Miller is the point guard. They got uh, Carmelo, Marcus Camby is our uh, center. Um, we had a nice little team there, you know, playoff team. Uh, Kenyon Martin was our power forward. And um, it used to drive me nuts because, you know, we basically got five thoroughbreds out there on the court. And Andre Miller's walking the ball up the court. You want It was like he was allergic to a fast break. And I'm sitting there going, what are you doing? So we're in the bar one day after a game, and they had won. They won more often than they lost. And I'm sitting there, I go, Stan. You know, he's got his entourage with him. We're sitting there, and I go, Stan, you got to get rid of Andre Miller. And he goes, Jerome, he's a good basketball player. Very good. I said, Stan, I'm not saying he's not a good basketball player. He is a good basketball player. No question about it. I I see he's a great half-court point guard. I said, but you got gazelles out there, and this guy's walking the ball up the court. Can you imagine if Magic Johnson walked the ball up the court? We'd never have showtime. He he's got you got to push it. You don't got Kevin McHale and a bunch of ploggers out there. You you got guys that can run. When we on when we run, we run teams out of the gym, especially here at home with this altitude. I said, but he doesn't want to push it. He doesn't want to push it. And then next thing you know, they got George Carl in there, and then they just start running the ball. And I'm sitting there going, saying, come on, man. You don't have to be a gazillionaire to realize Andre <laughs> Miller's not your point guard. But he, he was very open to having those kind of discussions and just sit there and have a beer with you and talk basketball. He loves sports. There's no question. The man loves sports. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty pretty neat. And the, the altitude, Jerome, now, you, having lived all over the country, Pennsylvania guy, New York, Atlanta, L.A. Uh, yeah, is it Denver. Le- is it legit though in Denver? Is it is it is it a myth no or is it reality? Yeah. No, no, it's there's no question it bothers you. So I am there. I'm there. I get there on a Monday. That Thursday, Air Force is hosting Navy on Thursday college football Thursday night game, and a couple of guys. We we hadn't even launched yet. We're not launching until the next Monday. So a couple of guys go, hey, you know, I said, hey, anybody can we get to this Air Force Navy game? I'd love to go down to the academy and see it. And guys are going, yeah, no problem. So they call, we go down and we get tickets. And if you've ever been to the Air Force Academy, beautiful facility, by the way, when you walk in, you basically walk in uh, on field level. When the field's a little sunk, you walk in on field level and you got to walk up to your seat. And we're walking. You know, we had a couple of couple of cold ones in the parking lot, but nothing out of control. And I'm, I'm walking and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I know it's been a couple of months because of the move where I haven't worked out or anything, but I'm, I'm like gasping for breath. And these people are looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And then we finally got to our seat because we were about three quarters of the way up the stadium, up right by the press box. I'm like, guys, I don't know what's going on here. And they're like laughing at me. It was the altitude. It was the altitude. No question. If, if you're not used to it, I don't know how these teams fly in, run up and down that court like that. 
and then fly back. It, there's no question you would see it affect teams, especially like late in the third quarter or the yeah. fourth. A lot of teams like to come in like on a Tuesday night to play a Thursday game just to get an extra day in there. But you come in, especially you come in, a lot of these teams arrive one in the morning, you know, and they get into their hotel room two, three in the morning. Ooh, they have a rough night, no question. Yeah, yeah. well, you would think the teams in Denver would take advantage. You said Andre Miller walking the ball up the court, but the – That's what I couldn't understand. Yeah, Let yeah. these guys out of the gym. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you would th- and so then you go to Atlanta, and you'll be happy to know, Jerome, you know, this podcast and the, the radio show, Now I do these Friday conversations, you know, with random people uh, like yourself, important people like yourself, and I've had several <laughs> people in Georgia, but not just Georgia, like all over the South – because of the reach of the the channel you were on, they were like, you got to get Jerome on. You you claim you know Jerome Durenovich. People are doubting that I know you. And uh, so you, ha- you have a bunch of fans there from your days with the Braves and the Hawks, and which just ended. When was your last day on television? I know you, you worked this season for the Braves, right? When, when did that end? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I, uh, my last day was the day they clinched the East. It was the third and final game of the Philly series in that final homestand. Right. And um, it was 15 years here with the Braves and the Hawks. And, um, you know, Ben, I'll tell you a funny story. So I come from Denver where the abs are good, where the nuggets are good. And I had lived in Atlanta previous years. So we're at CNN 14 and a half years. So I go from CNN in Atlanta up to LA with you guys and I'm in Denver, and then I come back here. And as I'm as I'm moving back here, I'm going through a divorce. My wife, ex-wife, stays in Denver, so I'm going through a divorce, and it's very amicable. She's great. We're still good friends. It just didn't work out. One of those things. So God bless her. So, but legally, you got to go to court. You do this stuff, right? So she's still in Denver. She goes, just go. You know, we're not contesting anything. It's just a matter of legality. 
formality. So I go to the courtroom, you know, and there's all these couples in there going through all this divorce court, you know, and they're, he said, she said, they're crying, they're fighting, whatever. And then the judge calls me up there and asks where the wife is. And I explain, he goes, okay. And he goes, well, I've got questions for you. And I go, all right. And he goes, my first question is, what do you do for a living? And I tell him, and he goes, and what brought you here to Atlanta? I said, well, I said, um, they're starting the pregame and postgame for the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Thrashers and the, and the Atlanta Braves. And he goes, well, what were you doing before? I said, same thing, but for the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche. And he goes, the Nuggets and the Avalanche are playoff teams, aren't they? I said, yeah, they're very good. And he goes, and the Hawks and Braves are last place teams, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. He goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I said, it doesn't matter how good or bad the teams are. It's how big the paycheck is. He goes, okay. <laughs> the judge is busting my chops in front of a courtroom full of people that are all everybody i guess it, it made everybody laugh because they were all hollering after they were crying and arguing all that well that's it was funny. that is funny that's hilarious it reminds me i had a conversation you know ralph lawler the voice of the, the clippers for he just retired sure. a few years ago and right and i remember we were having a conversation and the clippers were just morbid for most of ralph's time they only became good the last like 10 years or so but he was there right. when they were the worst of the worst and and he, he said pretty much the same thing, Joe. I was like, you get paid, it's a good job, and whether the team yeah. wins or not, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. Now, I, I must, you can answer this question, Jerome, though. Having had you know, mostly TV, I think of you as a TV guy, but you worked at Fox Sports Radio. I think you did work in radio early on in your career. So what is the harder media platform if you're walking in to do television or to do radio? Wow, that's a good question, Ben. I, I will say this, because I had worked in television my whole life. Every job I had in TV, you know, I kind of started in, behind the scenes and I knew I wanted to be in front of the camera. So, you know, when I wasn't actually working, maybe on my dinner hour or coming in on a day off, I would I would work toward the eventual position of a reporter on camera person. So I got practice time on my own. So I built my way toward that radio. I was kind of just thrown into this mix after working in television for well over 20 years. I go out to Fox sports radio. I had never done radio before. What a eye opening and just, it blew me away. I'll be honest with you. Those, I mean, I was doing the updates for a while, but when they put me on and made me do the baseball show and the NFL show on Saturday and Sunday, I didn't know what I was doing. And then, you know, after four years of, of, of I learned what you're supposed to do. And then actually when I moved back here a couple of years ago, uh, CBS radio started a, uh, a all sports talk station. And I, along with Jamie Dukes, who was on NFL network, longtime NFL player, we had a show, we had a blast, but I knew what I was doing when I got on the radio here in Atlanta. I didn't have a clue what I was doing in LA. And there is a big, big difference. Now, I would not be able to do the show I did in Denver or the show I did here with the Hawks and Braves. These pre and post game shows, they're basically radio on TV. I mean, you're just talking, you're spewing facts, you're spewing knowledge, you're, you know, just your knowledge of the individual players on the team that you cover, how the team is faring. And it's basically sports talk radio on TV, as opposed to doing a three minute, you know, channel two, you know, at six o'clock, that's all written out and, You know, I I didn't use the prompter for 15 years here because everything was off the cuff. And that was basically what I learned in radio. Radio was more challenging for me. There's no question. It it seems like it would be easier, but it was no. I tell you, 
it was more challenging for me because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And I leaned on guys like you and watching you and JT to break and, and just marveling at how John Ireland could talk for 25 minutes nonstop and entertain you. And uh, listening to Bruno and Siciliano in the morning, that, that was good stuff. That was, that was an eye-opening experience. Wealth of knowledge coming out of those guys for me. Yeah, it is much It's much of an – and I, I have the complete opposite career drum. I did television for I think it was nine months at NBC. They flew me back every month to do stuff at the NBC Sports Network, which I think has gone away. I think, Or it is going away. I don't know either one. I haven't kept track there. So I just had a little taste of it. And I thought, like, because I was just a correspondent they brought in to give some hot takes. So I was only on for a segment here or, like, a segment there. So for me, I was like, man, this is great. Because the radio show, I do four hours a night on the overnight, and it's a much different much different animal. And the thing, though, I will give you credit, Joe. I mean, when you're doing television, I mean, there's so many producers and directors and people around. As you know, in radio, there's not a lot of people around. It's, it's pretty much... You know, you and a yeah. couple other people, and you got to figure it out. In television, I feel like it's they, they direct you more on what they're looking for. You know, yes, you radio, know? radio. You definitely have more control of the show. It's the Ben Maller show. It is your show. Yeah. And you know, when you want to go to callers or you want to stay on a specific topic, you can stay on that topic for 10, 15 minutes if you want. And in television, you know, we got to move off of the fact that the bullpen stinks after a minute or two, or the bullpen's doing great. You know, we got to switch over to whatever's coming up next. And they want to get their video in and their graphics in. And yeah, they're moving you along. And they're sometimes, uh, sometimes they're not listening to you and you want to move along. It, there are a lot of moving parts in television. There's no, there, there is a, there's a big difference between the two and uh, you know, and they both have their pluses and minuses, which is why they work so well hand in hand. You can get much more for what you're specifically looking for over here in radio. And as opposed to getting a whole mishmash of a little bit of everything on TV. Yeah. So there's, I'm sure there's someone listening Jerome. maybe only one person that wants to be the next Jerome Jerenovich wants to follow in your footsteps and be the next, you know, down the line, host of the Braves and the Hawks you know, pre and post game and halftime and all that stuff. So, what is the cheat code? Now that you're retired, you can share this information, Jerome. You can give this out. Like, what is the secret to doing good television? The, you know, the secret to doing good television is, first of all, you, you have to be informed, man. I mean, you have to pay attention. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me the last 15 years because our, our set, which is now Bally Sport, was Fox Sports South, is outside the stadium. And... Um, you would not believe how many people, hey, my son's in college, my daughter's in college, or, hey, I want to be on TV. And it's like, look, not only do you got to you know, pay your dues, it's rare when you're just thrown on to a, a situation where you're going to work for an NBA or an NHL or a Major League Baseball team without any type of experience. You have to know and love the sport. All right. You know, we had a girl, not going to give her a name, but we had a girl, you know, a couple of years ago. And we down south, we like to say that Hank Aaron is the true home run king. That's that's how that's our way of saying Barry Bonds cheated, and that's our way of saying Hank, we love you, and we know you did it the right way. And this girl actually, she heard it so many times, she actually thought Hank is the was the leader, all time leader in home runs. We're like, uh, no, and you're working for the Braves. Come on, you know, I mean, so you have to know, you have to know the strategies of the sport, and you have to really work. I mean, there, there, there's no substitute for hard work. Um, 
you see every time you turn on a college football game, you're going to see another different pretty blonde girl on the sidelines. But if they don't have personality along with intelligence, you're not going to see them more than two or three times. You have to be able to convey what you know, either in a concise, in a concise way or an entertaining way, and hopefully in both. And that's why you're so successful at what you do, because you could you can take a position on a subject, you can inform your viewer, and you can get them to either change their mind or at least see your point of view, why they're right or why they're wrong. And you can't do that if you don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, so. that, that's a great advice. And and also we see that a lot with, you mentioned the sideline reporter, but also like former players. A lot of times, you know, and you worked with a lot of guys and some sure were good, some were not. But, but uh, some of those guys come in, in my experience, I didn't work with as many ex-athletes as you did, but over the years at Fox – Sports radio, we've had guys come in, and some of the guys would come in and just think because they played in the NFL, they just turn terrible. on the mic and they can just talk, and it's it's not how that works, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta. No, they're terrible. Yeah. I I worked with sixteen different Braves as analysts on the pre and post game show. Everybody from John Smoltz and and Jeff Francoeur, who are both tremendous at what they do. I, I I'll tell you a funny story, uh, Ben. My first or second year here when I came back to Atlanta, I'm doing Braves and we were still doing the pregame show on the field, right in front of the dugout. And small, it was Smoltz's last year with the Braves. Well, he blows out his shoulder and uh, he's not going to pitch uh, for the rest of the season. But, you know, as a lot of the guys do, they, they still dress in uniform and he's hanging out in the dugout on Sundays. He would come out and host co-host the show with me and either Ron Gann or Brian Jordan. And he would do it in full uniform. It was, I mean, we're in a sport coat and there's Smoltzy hat, home whites. It was hilarious. And one time it was pouring rain. So they turned the camera around and Ron Gant and I, we get into the dugout and uh, to get all three of us in the shot, Smoltzy had to do kind of like the one cheek sneak on the edge of the bench and the water's running off the dugout and his left leg and left spike are just getting soaking wet. And I looked over at him and I said, you know, you may be a future hall of famer, but in broadcasting, you're the rookie. So you have to get wet. We're staying dry. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew the very first day that he hosted with us, I said, this man is going to have a career in sports broadcasting. And he is going to go down as one of the all time great analysts because John just, first of all, he can talk. All right. He's got a great sense of humor and he's got a great way to explain what you're seeing or what you're about to see and make it so you understand. You don't have to be a, a baseball connoisseur or a baseball expert to understand what Smoltz is telling you. He, he is really, really good, which is why he's the main analyst at Fox now and at, you know, on MLB Network. He's really, really, really good. But on the other side, and I won't give you their names, there were two guys. One was so... He was so nervous. It was like broadcast news. He's sweating bullets left and right. He could barely talk. And another guy was so nervous. He was so quiet. I wanted to sit there and go, speak up, you know. <laughs> and they're both great guys. And they were very, very good players. But once the red light went on, they were yeah. they were horrible. Flops with yeah. flops with yeah. any yeah. any blooper that yeah, I have so many mistakes that I've made or just horrific uh, moments in radio over the years. The good thing we're on radio. I'm in the middle of the night, but you're on TV. Any, was there any blooper that you remember that you look back, you're like, I can't believe that happened and that was unbelievably embarrassing or hilarious or any of that? 
Well, we've we've had our moments. There's no question. I, I will tell you that my most embarrassing moment in my entire career is because nobody had ever heard of her at the time. And when they had, when they started CNN International, this was during my CNN days, they would make us run down. So we're doing our job. Our head, I'm doing headline sports. I'm on there twice an hour, you know, once an hour or whatever. So, you know, it's the weekend. There's nine million events going on and we had to report on all of them. So, you, I mean, you're getting just blasted. You got all the baseball games going on because it's fall. College football's happening. There's, uh, there's, you know, the other sports, the NBA and the NHL are cranking. You just got a million gazillion things. And at, at, at CNN, you know, you didn't just cover the SEC or just the Big Ten or just your local school. You had to keep an eye on all this stuff. So you're over inundated with information. And then they're making us literally run down a different flight of stairs into a different studio and do like a two minute update on what's going on in world sports. Like I knew what the hell was going on in the Bundesliga or in Formula <laughs> One racing. I didn't have time for that. So I ran down there and there was some ski event going on. I don't know. And somebody just ripped, literally ripped and read one of these news producers. Go, While I'm on the air, shoves this piece of paper in me because an American had won a downhill race in some Olympic preliminary thing. And I look at the, I've never heard of this person. I go, hey, Chicago Street. Instead of, of peekaboo, I looked at the way she spelled that name. Who the hell is this person? I didn't know. I called it Picabo. Picabo. So, anyway, you know, for the rest of my life, they're going, Hey, how's Picasso doing on the slope? I mean, it was one of those embarrassing moments. That's and then about two or three years ago, we were hosting a, a post game show, Brian Jordan and I. You could find us on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure it, it lives. As a matter of fact, they just showed it on the air on MLB Network the other day. Right in the middle of this post game show, this. Uh, drunk jumps up on this on the rail behind us he's just waving a braves jersey and one of our overzealous security guards big heavy round kind of fat albert looking guy comes running behind us but he's not supposed to be on this on this set area and he runs behind us to shove the guy off and he trips over one of the electrical cables back there and does a full face scorpion and you see him go down and his two feet come up in between Brian and I almost at our head. And I'm just like, okay, uh, we're having an issue here. Let's get you downstairs to Brian uh, Snicker. And when they came back and everybody shows that over and over, because the poor guy gets up, looks right into the camera, walks away like nothing happened. It was so embarrassing for him. And Brian and I kept our composure. And then during the, during the manager's press conference, they're showing us that on replay. And he's standing there watching it. When we came back, we were laughing so hard we couldn't talk. We just couldn't yeah. talk. I think I mean, I've, it's, it's, I, it's, I think it's, I've it's, seen that, Drew. Right? I'm sure, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. one of those yeah. things. It's just it's yeah. going to live in infamy. And to this day, it's one of my biggest regrets because I should have just I should have just stopped and said, "Hey, to quote that America Cinema Classic, Tommy Boy, that's going to leave a mark." There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. That's great. That's great. No, you know, we, there's, those bloopers are all over. What are you going to do? No, it's good. Listen, that's make people laugh. Yeah, I, when I, when I look at in the NBA, uh, JaVale McGee, who's bounced around, right? There's the video clip that Shaq did on Shaq and a fool. When JaVale right. McGee was running the wrong way when the, everyone else in the court was run, running in one direction and he was running the other. I laugh every time I see that. It's the funniest thing uh, that I you know, in basketball to think that there's one guy out of ten guys on the court that's running the wrong way. Uh, it's right. But you brought up the, the headline, uh, sports CNN headline news. Now, when I met you, this was a big deal, Jerome. I didn't know what you look like. I had no idea, but I knew the name. And I knew the name. For those young punks, explain how big a reach you you had at CNN Headline News. That was a very popular, very popular outlet back in the days before social media, right? When people needed scores and but, and whatnot. Yeah, you know. Here, first of all, let me tell you. I'll, let me explain why, and then I got uh, a, a really interesting story for you. Full. This was before cell phones. This was before you had all this internet access. Uh, this was before you had the crawl on the bottom of your TV screen. As a matter of fact, CNN Headline News was the first channel that had the crawl. They had it exclusively for two years. And that was a nightmare for us because when we first started it, these idiots in news had no idea about sports. So on College Football Saturday, they were literally putting every college football score on there. So they were putting like NAI scores on there. So you'd be waiting for the Michigan-Ohio State update. You wouldn't see it for five hours because they're showing like Pomona. It's like, come on, just take the main thing. (laughs) So, um, So here's the deal. If you were a sports fan or more importantly, a sports better, the only way you were going to get – updates on your teams if you weren't watching them on tv if they were out of market teams you had to wait until either cnn sports tonight or sports center at 11 o'clock so when at at seven o'clock local time and your team started the only way to get an update until 11 was to watch cnn headline sports at 20 after and 50 after the hour because every 30 minutes we updated the scores so 
unbeknownst to us at the time, everybody watched. Now, I always say I was wildly popular with with teenage and 20-year-old boys and gamblers. But I everywhere I would go, no, we weren't on camera. You just heard Jerome Jerenovich, CNN, headline sports. And, you know, I'll, there's a story to that unto itself. But, you know, I was at the airport one day and I gave the guy the credit card. He looked at my credit card. And he goes, you're going to Atlanta. I said, yeah. He goes, you're not that CNN guy, are you? And I'm, that's when I started to realize, wow, this is kind of cool. But it never dawned on me until the great Mario Lemieux had a, uh, for years, had a charity golf tournament because he does such great work with uh, children's cancer research at the Children's uh, Pittsburgh Hospital. And I, through a friend after, actually, Andy Vance Light got me involved with it. Uh, I went up and I was the, uh, at, at the first tee, I was announcing all the players. And I mean, he had everybody there. There's Gretzky, Lemieux, there's Jordan and Barkley, uh, Elway and Marino, you, you name it. And, nothing but Hall of Famers and All-Stars. And I'm standing there and at the first tee, I'm giving every player this big introduction, you know. And I look over, hey, the yeah, blah, blah, you know, MVP, the big bat and the big red machine, greatest catcher of all time, Johnny Bench. Everyone's clapping. Johnny Bench is putting his ball on his tee and he looks up and he goes, that's what you look like? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I, you know, and then next thing I know, him and Nick Bonacani are coming over and talking to me. And then after everyone's done, all these guys are coming over talking to me. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my God, I am in awe of every athlete in this room. And these guys are all coming up because they all know who each other are and what they look like. Nobody knew what I looked like. And and that was like uh, that was just it's one thing for the guy at Macy's or Delta Airlines to ask who you are. It's a whole nother thing. When you got guys like Mark May hanging out with you, having a beer, and, and, and John Elway. And when I, when I went to Denver, because I got to know Elway on that thing, when I went to Denver, my very first Nuggets game, I'm doing sidelines after the pregame show. It's the home opener. They kill the house lights. They put a spotlight on John Elway. He's up there, you know, in, a, in one of those baby blue Nuggets uniform, you know, and he's waving. And, you know, he's God in Denver. And they're going crazy. You know, and then when they do the anthem, next thing you know, the, the lights come up. Elway's coming across the court. And I'm standing in the corner where the sideline guys are. I'm just standing up there and he's coming with that big grin, you know, and he's got this big smile on his face. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at literally turning my head left and right, looking over my shoulder. Who's he looking at? He comes right over and gives me this big handshake and says, welcome to Denver. And he look, I didn't know him that well. For him to do that for me, everybody in that arena saw me and said, I don't know who that guy is doing sidelines, but if Elway likes him, I like him. And he, it, that was a huge boost for me to start my career in Denver those two years, to be accepted by Elway that way. And that made just, uh, you know, I did that for 14 and a half years. And that led to three jobs, got me the job at Fox Sports Radio, helped get me the job in Denver. And then it got me the, uh, the job here uh, doing the radio station uh, at Sports Talk Radio here in Atlanta as well. I mean, people knew the name, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. It, it was it was a lot of fun. But, you know, it, it was on Q-Tone. Unlike you guys at Fox Sports Radio, you, you want to go a little longer in a segment, you go a little longer, you know, and then you hit your commercial break. But at CNN, at exactly – you had exactly one minute and 42 seconds to a minute 49 to wrap up your show. And at 149, it cut you off. And you did not want to hear Jerome Jarrett, you know, and then go to music. That would sound terrible. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to go too long. That was, that, oh my, that was the Cardinal sin. So I kept going short. And finally, I figured I got to get to 142. And I was hitting at about, you know, 135. 
So I just went Jerome Jerenovich headline, and I just dragged it out to like eight seconds to I get to a minute forty five. And when I when it aired, I came out to the newsroom and everybody was laughing. And I thought, if this got a reaction out of all these jamokes, and it was men and women in there, is the newsroom, this is one of the sports department. I said, I'm just going to keep doing that, and I kept doing it. My boss called me in the next day, and he goes, What are you doing? And I said, I'm just trying to add a little spice. And he goes. Don't stop. And um, that's great. You know, that's I great. Just, I yeah. stayed with it. And it, uh, I mean, I mean, the guys I worked with were great guys, very good guys, but their names were Tom West and Ron Hyde and, and Mark McKay. And, and those just, I mean, I had a, a funky sounding name. And I just, uh, between that and the delivery, it stuck and it paid off for me in my career. Yeah. And you had not just the athletes, you had people at the White House, right? I mean, there were uh, leaders of uh, countries that were, I mean, everyone was white. Airports. I remember uh, CNN uh, headline news that I'd be traveling and in, in hotel, hotels, uh, you na- anywhere, uh, airport lounges. I mean, everyone was watching. Everybody. That everybody. It was insane. You know, it was, uh, I don't know why they, the geniuses that took over that network screwed it up because it was basically, 48 30 minute newscasts in a row you know every 30 minutes would be a brand new newscast so if you missed your you know if you missed nbc news at seven or abc at seven thirty, whatever at nine o'clock you started over as opposed to these hour-long talk shows you know on fox or, or cnn it's msnbc it's it was a it was a niche format but it was highly successful and i don't know why they ever broke away from that but to your point so many people watched it was unbelievable. I'm, I'll never forget one day I picked up, you know, I'm just reading through my Sports Illustrated, and there, there's an article on Sparky. It was toward the end of his career, Sparky Anderson. And they were asking him, the reporter asked him in the article, and they said, well, Sparky, what do you do at your age when, you know, when you're on the road? I mean, you've seen it all. You've been everywhere. What do you do? And he goes, I just go back to my hotel room, and I put CNN headline news on all <laughs> evening long, and I watch every one of those sportscasts every 30 minutes. So I'm like, oh, my God. Sparky Anderson sticking around just to hear us, you know. <laughs> That's and great. Just, yeah. So so when you – that CNN, like, because you're, you're on – it's weird, as you said. You're on television, but you're not – like, they, nobody sees you. So do you have to get dressed up like TV people have to get dressed up? Or can you just go in there and just kind of lounge around? Or, because it's CNN, do they require like a dress code at CNN? Or how'd that work? Well, they didn't have a dress code back then. But eventually when they started the international stuff, they were making the headline sports anchors double dip. So we had to go in and suit and tie them. But mm-hmm. uh, on the weekends when, you know, when we weren't doing anything on camera, when it was just the headline sports, we would just go in in a polo shirt and, and jeans. You weren't allowed to wear shorts, even though most guys wanted to, but we just, you know, yeah. it was crazy. We had a good crew back then at the, the old CNN days because uh, we had Dan Patrick and Gary Miller were our weekend guys. And uh, we had Fred Hickman and, and the legendary Nick Charles were our Monday through Friday guys. We, we just, you know, Hannah Storm and Dan Hicks came, and they were like our number three team. We had a lot of talented individuals. You, know, Bob Lorenz, and uh, it was—I was, was never going to get on camera there because those people ahead of me, Vince Cellini, they were all so talented, and I was like, you know, I was bottom of the totem pole, and uh, yeah. that's crazy. And that's uh, what led to the radio gig, and then the radio gig led to getting a chance back on camera. That's, and uh, that's great. You were asking about Denver, you know, in hindsight. Um, I met good people. I gained a, a tremendous amount of experience doing those pre and post game shows. Um, 
it was a very difficult situation for me, but it was a great transitional. I mean, I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have, yes, and, and maybe uh, tried to manipulate my bosses into trying to do things the right way. But yeah. that was a no-win situation, but it led to the position in Atlanta. So um, the people the, there were two people that were above me there that were complete morons, and one of them still there. And that's a shame because the people that still work there that I know still complain about them. 15 16 years later but you know things are what they are i mean we've all had bad bosses in our life we've all had great bosses in our life and um yeah and uh, you know it was it is what it is i mean cnn was a great run uh denver was fun I, i'm glad i got to experience the city of denver the rocky mountains for two years you know that that was pretty cool um one great part of that, Ben, one of my favorite baseball players of all time is Goose Gossage. So Mark Knudsen, who had a, who played uh, American League ball, mostly for the Brewers at the time, um, organized a charity hardball game at the AAA Stadium in Colorado Springs. So, you know, I, he was on our show every once in a while. So, you know, Mark asked me and maybe four or five members of the media in Denver if we wanted to come down and play. He said, sure. Well, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be softball. It's hardball. And there is a bevy of former major leaguers and major league umpires that live in that area because they all love to hunt. So I go down there. And first of all, he got all the all-star uniforms that were left over from the all-star game in Houston the year before. So we're wearing major league, all, you know, uniforms. It was pretty cool. And we're sitting there with all of these players and I knew goose was coming. So I brought, I got a Yankees gossip Jersey. So I brought him down to sign it and he was genuinely touched. We're sitting there just BSing over his time with the pirates. He said he never wanted to leave Pittsburgh. He said that the day that he signed, agreed to the Yankees, him and his wife sat in his, in his pickup truck in the uh, parking lot at three river stadium and cried. That's how much he loved living in Western PA and playing for the pirates, but they couldn't turn the money down. They had to go to New York. And so we're sitting there, we're talking, and next thing you know, we're taking BP, and, and I go to take BP, and Gossage goes, I got this. Goose steps in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I get the hit off Goose Gossage? So he goes, where do you want it? So I put, like, you know, belt high fastball. So he throws one in there. I, I don't even see it. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Every one of these guys could still throw an inning as, as well as they could when they were in their heyday. They just couldn't throw more than an inning. Yeah. So he lobs one in there, and I turn on it. And I actually ripped it, but it was foul. So he looked at me, and he gives me like a little nod, like, oh, that wasn't bad, right? He dusted me. High and inside, right <laughs> underneath the chin. To me, it, it was the greatest sporting moment of my life. I got, I got dust That's awesome. Then he threw the, the next pitch bomb. He throws so fast. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I think it was back in his glove. By the time I was done swinging the bat, he threw it so damn hard. Yeah. But uh, That's that, that was just one. I mean, to get to play with all those guys, there were a lot of major leaguers out there. That was a lot of fun. Well, Jerome, when you, when you talk, you are Western Pennsylvania. Did you ever – and I, I don't know what you did before CNN. I know you started in Pennsylvania. Did you ever consider going back, and did you ever have the opportunity to work in Pittsburgh, like with the Pirates or the Penguins I, or Steelers? I never did. And, I, you know, for ye all those years at CNN, Every time a job opening in Pittsburgh, you know, appeared, yeah. I, I, I applied and I, I mean, I was begging, 
I begged to get back there for 10 to 12 years. I just could not catch a break. And because I wasn't on camera on a regular basis at CNN, I just didn't have a resume real good enough for TV at the time. And um, by the time an opening occurred after I had been back here, for a while in Atlanta, it just wasn't going to work out. The money wasn't what it was going to be. And it just, yeah, it would have been, it would have been almost like a demotion for me for less pay and a different position. And, you know, I even thought about it at the time, but I was just at beginning to date my now second wife and she was settled in here. Her kids were in school here. And I'm like, I can't take less money to go to Pittsburgh. And my, my parents had already moved out. They had relocated. My brother lives in, in Texas, and they, they relocated to San Antonio with him. And I'm like, look, I got a handful of relatives and a really good hardcore group of friends there, but my parents aren't there anymore. Yeah. So it's not really, you know, it'll always be home, but it wasn't home because they weren't there. And I just thought, I, you know, I'm not going to ask this woman to relocate for me. She settled. I'm settled. So um, it would have been a it would have been a labor of love for me. I wouldn't have cared what the income was because it would have been Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, and Penn State and Pitt. You know. Yeah. But those are your never, teams. Never, yeah. never really came. I, I did start in Western PA in Erie, Pennsylvania. I grew up in a small town, Farrell, about halfway, right on the Ohio Pennsylvania line. My my great aunt lived on State Line Road, a single lane blacktop road. She was on Pennsylvania. You walk across the street, her neighbors were in Ohio, and. Uh, my uncles, we'd get drunk at, at Christmas time at my parents' house, and you'd start arguing Steelers, Browns, because it was crazy. It was just crazy. Um, so I'm living in Erie. I'll, let me tell you one quick story about Erie, which is awesome. 1984, 1982, I finally get on camera in Erie, PA. It started the year before behind the scenes. Um, weekend sports. Erie was just getting cable TV at the time. Erie was kind of behind the times. Still probably is. And... Um, so I go in there on the weekends. You know, most weekend sportscasts are like three and a half minutes long, right? Maybe four. N- not where I was. They, our, we, our news department was so understaffed. They're like, Jerome, how much can you fill? I said, give me eight minutes. I was recording everything. I mean, I'm showing highlights from the Islanders, Rangers. I'm showing whatever. You didn't matter. If it was on cable that day, I was cutting down 30 seconds of each game. And, and you know, so people loved it. It was like a mini sports center. And um, after about, Three and a half weeks, Meadville, PA, this tiny little western Pennsylvania town where the great uh, Sharon Sharon Stone, the actress, is from. It's maybe 15,000 people, but they had a heck of a sports banquet for their high school. They would bring in Pirates and Indians and Steelers and Browns. It was a big, big deal. So Jim Leland just gets hired to be the Pirates manager. And the Monday through Friday guy goes, hey, go down there and try to get an interview with Leland. Now, keep in mind, Ben, this is before the Internet. The only way we knew who Jim Leland was, he was a third base coach for the White Sox, was to look at that little black and white photo in the team media guide. We had, And we didn't even have the American League. So I had no idea what he looked like. So I go down there, and the guy at the front door, they're handing out a baseball to everybody to get autographs. Stargell was there, uh, Andre Thornton, people like that. And it was mostly for the kids, you know. But they're giving a baseball to everybody. And the guy pulls me aside and goes, hey, I love watching you. I know you're the new guy in town, but you're the only guy showing NBA highlights. I love the NBA. I'm going to do you a favor. Go in the kitchen. You're going to be surprised. Trust me. And I'm thinking, what? He goes, just go in the kitchen. So I go in the kitchen. Meanwhile, everybody's out there. You know, I got a quick interview with Stargell and Leland. It wasn't 
there. So I go in the kitchen and, you know, next thing I know, the back door opens up. It's sort of like a scene out of Goodfellas. These three big Goombas come in and right behind them, Joe DiMaggio. Whoa. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I, they had a guest speaker, but nobody knew who it was. Uh-huh. It's Joe DiMaggio. Wow. So I tell my cameraman, flick your light on. I go, Mr. DiMaggio, could I get a couple of questions? I was so nervous, Ben. I called him Mr. DiMaggio on every question. <laughs> so I asked him five questions and about three questions in one of the, you know, those big guys, security guys go, all right, wrap it up. So I asked him one more, you know, something, I don't know what it was. And then he goes, okay, last one. And I, I nodded to him. I said, sure. And about three or four questions in rumor, you know, kind of spilled out. So, all of a sudden, these little kids start flooding through those uh, doors that the waiters come in and out of. And they're at the bottom of the camera shot where you would see, like, your score crawl now. Yeah. All you see are pens and baseballs from these little hands shooting up into the bottom of the screen. <laughs> and Joe just starts grabbing them, and he's signing them as he's answering my final two questions, which I thought was really cool. And uh, after the fifth question, I thanked him for his time, told him what an honor it was, was and after my cameraman, you know, clicked off on the recording, I said, Mr. DiMaggio, and he turned around, I said, look, I know this is completely unprofessional, but we're not in a ballpark, and you're Joe DiMaggio. Would you sign my ball, too? He goes, absolutely, and he autographed my ball, and I said, I know I'm not really supposed to do this, but my goodness, Ben, it was yeah. Joe DiMaggio. I got oh. that ball in the safe right now. I probably only asked for maybe three autographs in my entire career. Oh, that's but great. it was Joe DiMaggio. Oh, that's an all time. That's an all that's a wonderful story. All right. I, yeah. we gotta wrap this up. But you're you're retired now, Drew. I can't believe you're you're retired. You don't it's amazing to me. So are you gonna are you gonna do the traditional retirement thing and get like a Winnebago and travel around <laughs> the country? Like have you thought about what's next for you? You know, uh <laughs> People keep pestering me to do a podcast, but I'm like, why would I do a podcast when everybody listens to Ben Maller? No one will listen to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, I want to take a break. I am going to fill in this Monday on one of the local stations. Uh, one of my buddies is off doing something. So they asked me to just do morning drive on Monday. I said, all right, I'll do it because the Braves are in the playoffs and Hawks are getting going. But I, I don't want to do a whole lot. I, I, I want to kick back. Um, we're, we're doing three weeks in Europe next year. And if my wife really likes it in a year, once uh, the final kid gets out of high school, we may actually move to Europe for a summer, Ooh. anywhere from four to six months. Uh, we're going to tour all six parks out in Utah, the national parks. We're big into that. Uh, got to hit back the wine cutter. We got a lot of traveling. We're, we're going to do a lot of traveling. We're just going to take the rest of this year and kind of kick back. And then we're, we're, we got like six trips already planned for next year. So it's going to be most, you know, hey, look, as you know, when you work in sports broadcasting, I don't care if it's radio or TV, you're working nights and weekends. Yeah. And, you know, I did that for 40 years. So, you know, every time the guys in the neighborhood got together to play poker or they wanted to go to a ball game or, you know, the, the you know, two or three couples wanted to go just go get dinner or go to a concert at the last minute, I always had to say no. And uh, I'm just going to try to make up for lost time. That's what I'm going to do. Wow. I'm going to kick yeah. backs. I'm going to complain Good. about my Steelers on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I'm going to can't, can't wait for Crosby to get back on the ice. And I'm going to uh, watch the Braves have a nice run here in the playoffs. And hopefully Trey Young will be very entertaining in the winter because I think the Hawks are going to be good again. So I'm just going to be a fan, man. I am going to be a fan. Nice. Well, hey, if you end up at in, in California, I'm sure you've been to Sequoia. That's my one of my favorite spots from the, the giant forest, which almost burned up. 
a couple months ago. I think it was a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. I saw that they put the giant foil around the bottom of the trees. Yeah, that that is an uh, amazing place. So you end up there. Uh, yeah, give me a, give me a buzz, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get Artie together. We'll get the old gang together. We'll have. We'll yeah, have LA is going to be one of our stops. We were supposed to be out there for the uh, LSU UCLA game. My uh, my stepson loves LSU. Four of his first cousins all went to LSU. His uncle and uncle live in Baton Rouge. So they have become our adopted SEC team. Uh, but work, and he, that was his first week of college. He goes locally here to one of the colleges, and he, he just couldn't. He, yeah. he couldn't take off the first two days of college to fly out to L.A. So uh, L.A. is definitely uh, – Definitely on the list. So when I do, I'll give you a heads up because I would love to see all you guys again. No question about that. Awesome. Thank you, Jerome. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this. You're the man, Ben. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits. LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.